Hello. All right. It is 9.16. We are late, so we should, um, we should go and get started. So let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we will go ahead and get started. Father, thank you for this time to gather this morning and to, um, to spend time with each other, to listen to your word, to think together, to meditate on the gospel. Um, just pray that you would be preparing our hearts uh, with this, O oh Lord God, but also just for the main gathering of your body um, as we come together as your temple, O oh Lord God. Prepare our hearts to worship and to sing. Um, help us to stand in awe of who you are and in awe of Christ. Help us, the love of you, Lord Christ, the love that you have shown for us to control us in life. We ask these things, pray you bless this time this morning in your name. Amen. Okay, so um, just to remind us where we're at, we've kind of been, uh, we, you know, we started this whole series talking about the necessity of the gospel uh, for the Christian. Uh, it's, we've been saying it's not just the doorway into the Christian life, but it's the soil into which we grow deeper. It's really the motivation for why we do what we do as believers. If we, we lose that motivation, we can easily slip into legalism. Um, or, or despair, uh, or persistent guilt, or things like this. So we keep coming back to the gospel. And so what we've been doing is we've been marching through all the different components, uh, always remembering that the good of the good news, we talked about this at the beginning, is God himself, and enjoying, uh, really, Christ brings us to God. He brings us to the triune God to enjoy fellowship with him uh, for all eternity. We've been marching through the different kind of components of the gospel. So we talked about the sinfulness of sin. We've talked about Christ's judgment. We've talked about um, the atonement. We've talked about uh, the resurrection. Last week, we talked about the ascension. Um, and then today, what we want to do is we want to talk about, we'll call it this, the gospel call. In other words, the idea is we've been talking about the facts of the gospel. But if you just presented the facts of the gospel, either to your own heart or to someone else, that's that falls short. Why? Because the gospel in and of itself has an inherent call. There's, it's not just neutral facts, but it, it is a uh, a call, a demand from the King. If we were to think about in terms of Christ at the right hand of the Father, um, there's a, there's a call. And so, what we want to think about uh, is what is that call? What uh, what does the gospel call people to? Uh, so you can think about that if you're presenting the gospel to someone else, or um, as we've been saying, if you're pre preaching the gospel to yourself, to your own soul, even as a believer, what does the gospel call you to? Uh, or another way to phrase that, what must people do to pr uh, respond properly to the gospel? So let me, uh, just to get us going here and get us thinking, uh, what is that response? What would you say is the response that the gospel calls people to or another way to say that, what must people do to respond properly to the gospel? Good. Yeah, so repent. And what, what is repentance? Yeah, turning, turning away from you, um, commitment to, your, to yourself and to sin towards God, right? So it's a turning from and a turning towards. Uh, what else would we say? So there's repentance for sure. Yeah, which would be embedded within the idea of repentance, for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so do you, 
do you under do you grasp the gravity of all of the different components of the gospel starting with the gravity of sin what that really is in the uh, the, the gravity of your sin against a holy God and also the break in relationship and the desire, uh, the desire for God, right, which is only a desire that someone can have if the spirits awaken that desire in their heart, okay? Uh, what other, anything else that we would say, what's the response? What's the call of the gospel? Yeah, faith, right? So uh, faith and repentance, they're that two-sided coin, right? Uh, repentance is the, the emphasis on turning your allegiance from sin and self to God, but you're turning to God, to Christ in faith, um, realizing that, there, uh, that you have nothing, that you can do nothing, uh, that it is ultimately um, through Christ that you can come to God. Okay? So you're asking the question, we know, we know that, um, that no one comes, I mean, Jesus says this, right? No one comes to the Father uh, unless, or no one comes to me unless the Father draws him, right? So we know there's two, there's two kind of, uh, maybe the helpful way to think about this is we, we believe in the doctrines of grace, we believe in the five points of Calvinism. Uh, there's two parallel things that are happening um, in, let's say, the conversion of someone, right? Um, there's God's perspective and what he sees, right? So he know, he's, he's the one irresistibly calling someone. He's the one that's working through the Holy Spirit on someone's life, right? But then there's, the, there's kind of our perspective on what we see, right? Both are true. Uh, we don't get to see a lot of the behind the scenes and the timing of that. God knows that, right? Um, but what are, what are we called to proclaim to them? Are we called to, are we supposed to present, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, what are we supposed to present as far as like, well, here's what's going on behind the scenes and what needs to happen versus here's what we're calling you to. And those are, I, I find it helpful to remember that those are, there's two different perspectives and we get access to uh, one of those perspectives, uh, whereas biblically we know, oh, someone's been converted, here's what happened, right? Um, so what we're trying to, trying to ask is when we're talking to someone or we're talking to our own soul, what do we say? What do we need to say? Uh, and what um, and, and that's a valid question. I think we'll touch on that a little bit more as we go. Tony, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, mean, I think we need to not forget that this is something that tends to happen to us, Christians, uh, kind of way after the fact, um, is literally the gospel, the good news was that you could approach God through Christ, mm-hmm. through faith, without the law. So we need to remember that it's in the Sure, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and, and really that, that mindset that everyone has a bent to is, I call it the legal mindset, and that's what Paul talks about, and that's what, um, 
you have to distinguish at a certain level the law as the you know the mosaic law but you can always talk about the legal mindset that everyone has everyone believes naturally that they have to uh, earn their way to god and either the with that mindset one of two things happens either you realize oh i can't do this so why even bother so then you go into you know, a profligate, debauched lifestyle because it doesn't even matter, right? You can't even make it. Um, or you believe that you can make it, and to which case you go into self-righteousness. Either way, that's the legal mind, the result of the legal mindset. But the law, in terms of the Mosaic law, right? God, um, God gives law as grace to instruct, but that always follows the relationship. It doesn't establish the relationship. Um, so what I want to do now is... Uh, We've talked a lot about these ideas, and you've hit a lot of the key ones. I would like to go, what does the Scripture say our gospel call should be? Um, and I think that's helpful. It, it kind of reminds us, what, is our, what are we supposed to be calling people to? What are we supposed to be calling even our own souls to? And so let's start with Jesus. <laughs> uh, how did Jesus proclaim the good news, right? And just even from Matthew uh, what we've seen so far, what did Jesus, in a summary fashion, what did he call people to? Yeah, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has drawn near, right? So repent is that key aspect. We, and that's something that we don't, um, that's language that we don't um, maybe use as much. We call people to faith, which is absolutely true. We do not neglect the faith component, but you, there are two sides of the same coin. We're calling people to repent, to forsake allegiance, uh, forsake devotion to their sin and to themselves, to, um, uh, to entrust themselves to God, to entrust themselves to Christ. Um, and uh, so the, it's the two sides of the same coin. So Jesus called people to repentance, right? We always need to remember that. That's part of his call. Now, uh, as another key part of his call, I want to take us to... Um, Matthew 11, so let's go ahead and go to Matthew 11, and someone go ahead and read Matthew 11, 25 through 30. Matthew 11. I love this passage because it, it really actually gets at the heart of what Lance was asking, right? Which is, what do you present to people? Now, Jesus is standing there, and it's kind of like he's praying to the Father, but it's kind of like people are around overhearing him. So they, he over, they overhear him saying what is essentially, no one gets to come to the Father except through the Son, and you know anyone to whom the, uh, the Son chooses to reveal, right? So that's election right there. Um, one of the strongest, well, a very strong election text. But... Uh, in, uh, I, like, I like showing you the whole context here, the whole chunk. What is the call? What is the call in this passage? 
What does Jesus call people to? Yeah. And what does he say? Come, come to me. Now, me is a very important word there, right? Uh, and we're going to tie this together with some of the things we've seen already. Um, one of the things, and you're going to see it over and over again, I'm going to show you a couple more passages, that Jesus calls people to come to himself. Now, that's usually like, well, what do you, okay, yeah. But we, we, we speed over that, and we have to actually be, I want you to really focus on that idea. Jesus calls people to himself. Meaning he's not just calling people to believe certain facts, although he is, right? It's not less than that, but it's more than that. And that's what we need to remember when we talk about the gospel. We're not just calling people to acknowledge the facts of the gospel. We are calling people to allegiance because that's what Jesus is calling people to. What is he calling them to? Allegiance to himself. Come to me. And tie this together with what we talked about last week with the uh, the uh, Jesus ascension, him being at the right hand currently of the Father, right? The call of the gospel, we issue the same call, come to Jesus, meaning believe about who he is and what he's done, but have a transaction with him who is at the right hand of the Father. You see the, you see the emphasis I'm making here, okay? We're, we're not just calling people uh, to... Um, believe some facts, as necessary as that is, we do need, people need to believe certain facts in order to be saved, but it's not just facts, it's allegiance to a person. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, speak to me, just as, a, as, I, uh, as I emphasize that, what are your thoughts? Right. So I can see then a difference of just calling people to repentance and to believe the facts right. about what who Jesus was and he's there or whatever. Okay, he's the Son of God, but that doesn't mean come to Jesus. Right. Um, this world might sell to to a different way of thinking. Right. And how does that change your thinking if oh yeah um Yeah, it, it's very crucial, and I wanted you to see from Jesus' mouth, right, this is, this is what, and this isn't just one isolated text. Um, uh, I, can give you, I can give you a whole string, both of Jesus and the apostles, of they actually never say, believe that Jesus died for your sins directly, right? Although that's true, right, but it's, it's not come to these facts, it's come to Christ, 
right, um, come to him as king and savior, right? It's a transaction with a person, not a transaction with ideas, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, Steve. Yeah, 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 good. Right, which then you start tying these pieces together. This is why the resurrection and the ascension are important because, again, what we're calling ourselves to, our own souls as believers, to remind ourselves, but then what we're also calling people to is uh, you, need, you need to have dealings with the one mediator that's at the right hand of the Father, and you're entrusting yourself to him. Uh, you, you don't need to just believe an abstract set of facts. You need to, uh, you need to have dealings, a transaction um, with the living Christ. Yeah, Tony. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's that's really a good connection too to think of. Um, th- let's zoom out of the big picture story, uh, the storyline of Scripture for a second, right? Um, and and Paul speaks to this in Romans five, right? Everyone who's born of a human father is in Adam, in the sense that. Remember, Adam has a covenant with him, right? There's this creation, Adamic covenant, right? And what's the mandate of that covenant? Uh, Be a stewardship ruler over the earth under God's authority, bringing him glory, right? Everyone is held responsible to that mandate in union with Adam, right? And this is where in the New Testament, it's so, uh, that's a covenantal idea, right? But when we talk about converting to Christ, right, or heeding the gospel call, the gospel call is really, part of it is you um, exercise faith in Christ, and what does that do? That We've said this before, it unites you with Christ in a covenantal way, in a covenantal way. And if he has satisfied uh, all the demands of uh, all the covenants, uh, ultimately, right, but um, you're coming into union with him, that's really what's happening when you heed the gospel call. Um, and that's kind of a, in a sense, a bigger notion, but that's what's going on. You're moving from being in Adam to being in Christ, right? And that's ultimately because of who you are in Christ um, through faith, repentance and faith, um, that, is, uh, that is how we, we know we're justified. That is how we know we have final justification uh, before the throne of God um, in judgment. Uh, and how we know we enjoy um, the future benefits of being with God for all eternity, right? Um, but that's a covenantal idea, which is why Jesus is calling, come to me. He's calling for union with himself, ultimately, is that idea. How does that happen? Through repentance and faith, um, which is just such a, a key idea, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So following a person who is no longer here on this planet is extremely difficult. 
Right. Right. Even though I asked them, because it is such a difficult concept. You know, if there was, you know, if, 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 if Chris Mullins was Jesus instead of <laughs> Jesus. God forbid. You know, you're here. I can see you. I can follow you. I can sit with you and listen right, to you. Right, right. I can get in the car and go wherever you go. Right, right, right. Yes, uh, disconnect. Of, of disconnect. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's very difficult for me to wrap my head around. Right. Therefore, it's also very difficult for me to talk to somebody right. who yeah. likes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how, would we, how would we answer that from the scriptures? How do we... Yeah, yeah, th- thank you, because I keep forgetting to do that. So really the question is, we can't see Jesus, we can't touch Jesus. We, I, can, I can follow a physical, tangible person. I see them. I'm going where they're going. They're, I hear them. They're teaching me, right? But Jesus is ascended. He is at the right hand of the Father, right? Back to what we were talking about last week. So how do we talk uh, about that reality? How do we make it so that it's uh, co- understandable, coherent, and uh, I don't know if tangible is quite the right word, but maybe something along those. Yeah, yeah. Ironically tangible. Yeah. Susan. Right, right. We want the experience. And this, it ultimately comes back down to how do we know what we know, right? At a, at a very, very core level, right, we're talking about how do we know what we know. Um, and so uh, how do we know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father? How do we know that when I, you know, am coming, uh, the call of the gospel, the call to come to me, uh, to use Jesus' words, to come to Jesus, um, how do we know that's the same? Well, it's through the scriptures, right? Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right? Make disciples. How do we do that? By baptizing and by teaching them to observe all that I've commanded to. So what does following look like? Following looks like, here's Jesus' words. Even though I can't physically, tangibly see him, I can listen to him through his word. Uh, as a believer, I have his spirit dwelling in me, right? So I am, uh, Jesus said, John, um, I think it's John 16, where he says, it's better for you that I go away. Well, we talked about this last week, right? Uh, it's better for you, you that I go away because otherwise the Spirit wouldn't come and indwell you, right? So that reality of the Spirit's indwelling me, He's causing me to obey what? The Word. He's driving me back to the Word. He's causing me to see Christ in the Word. Uh, and to know the reality, despite I can't see it, I can't feel it, right? Um, but that Jesus is in heaven. He is King. Um, he does call people to allegiance, and how do we how do we uh, how do we follow him? We follow him through the scriptures and through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that he is sent uh, to dwell in believers. And that's what I was going to say. Don't forget about the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Back to the glory of God, as someone like Dave was talking about, someone who's saved who thinks like that, like, 
Yeah. 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 So I imagine I actually had a conversation the other day with someone about the gospel. And, and what I was trying to emphasize was this very idea, right? That, um, listen, you, here, you need to have dealings. Uh, I don't have a, still refining my language on this, but you need to know that Jesus is in the right, at the right hand of the father. This is where the ascension is important. And that he is the one mediator between God and man. And you need to come to him and have dealings with him uh, and to confess to him, I am a sinner, I have nothing, I can do nothing on my own, uh, but I want to renounce my sin, I don't want to live for myself anymore, I, uh, and I believe that you, Jesus, are the only one who is the sufficient sacrifice, back to the atonement, right, um, the sufficient sacrifice for my sins, and I am trusting myself to you. Um, and you're, you're having a transaction, right, with, with the living Christ at the right hand of the Father. And I think that's the kind of language we have, because then it concretizes. I'm not just saying believe the facts. or Here's the danger. If we, if we just present the facts and we don't call people to Christ in this way, then what we're starting to do is we're starting to separate the benefits of salvation from Christ himself. You see that? where we start to separate the, we start to say, well, here are the benefits of believing in Christ, forgiveness of sins and uh, life eternal, and all those things are true, but, uh, you know, so believe those things, right? Um, have faith that those things are true. But what's the good of the good news? The good of the good news is not these, these it's Christ himself, right? Or in a sense, right, what we've been saying all along, Christ himself is the gospel, the Father himself is the gospel in the sense that everything, all the benefits, if you will, or all the means through which uh, God works in the gospel message is ultimately to bring him to himself. And if we have people that are believing facts without loving Christ or being um, joining themselves uh, through faith in union with Christ and they don't see that, then we've got a problem. Um, and uh, we, we are dishonoring Christ ultimately because we're starting to separate the benefits from the, the person. Not that someone can't, I mean, even in a skewed reality like that, not that someone can't, God can't use that and someone can't be saved, but it's so much, if you can make it clear from the outset, you're coming to Christ, uh, which is exactly um, Christ's call. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good question, right? So like, and we encounter, the, we increasingly encounter this because I was, I've been reading a lot about this lately. We are in, we're increasingly in a post-Christian uh, mindset, right? It used to be that the foundations of our civilization were the scriptures and they were just assumed to be true, right? But now people's authority is themselves, right? And not the scriptures and they get to decide for themselves what's true and what's not true, right? So how do we deal with that? Well, here's what we, 
there's no such thing as neutral territory in God's world, right? It's all, it's all God's world, right? So we know that. We also speak in the language of Scripture that it, it itself gives, right? We know there's general revelation and there's special revelation, right? And what does um, God say even in Romans 1? Everyone knows that there's a God from general revelation. Uh, they're without excuse because of the things around them. So for someone like that, we say, uh, we, and here's the thing, you never... You never sur- you are a messenger you're an ambassador for the king. The ambassador doesn't get to negotiate the message. Right? And that, that mindset's helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for you. Because it helps me realize I'm not I'm not playing negotiator here. Like I'm trying to find some neutral territory in which we're to operate on. Rather, I can say, you know, um, God has created everything that you see. He created you. He made you. Um, and we can see his power. His divine nature, his power, his, uh, I'm speaking in terms of the Romans 1 now, right? So I'm speaking in accord with reality and what Romans 1 says. And this God wants, to, the God powerful enough to do this is powerful enough to communicate with his creation. And you know what? He did that in the scriptures. And we can even see evidence of that in the scriptures that if we have a coherent storyline um, over, well over a thousand years, right, of writing a coherent storyline from Genesis to Revelation. Um, we, uh, and, you know, you can go through some of even those evidences and God's providence and things like that, right? But here's the thing. You're not trying to, you can't ultimately convince someone. You can't change someone's heart. And I think uh, Julie just said this, right? That, that it's the spirit alone and it is a miracle, right? Because if you think about this naturally, it's like, this isn't going to convince anyone. We know our culture, right? Um, but when it's, it's the Spirit working through His Word. The Spirit working through His Word that changes people's lives. And that's why we, this is why we do what we do even in church, right? This is why we preach the Word, and we have the Word sung, and we have the Word um, read, and all of these things, because God builds His church through His Word, just like in creation, right? Uh, he spoke and it came to be, right? Uh, the Spirit takes the Word, empowers it, makes and builds by miraculous, it's a total miracle, right, but gathers people into his church. And so you present the truth as truth. Uh, Paul says, 2 Corinthians 4, by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. We renounce disgraceful and underhanded ways, right? And not a lot in our society, and increasingly less so, will believe it, but we still, we don't have, we don't have the authority to change the message or to negotiate the message. We proclaim the message faithfully and rely on the there's always three in any gospel conversation. There's you, the other person, and there's the Holy Spirit, right? And you're pleading, um, Spirit, enliven this person's heart, quicken this person's heart so they can come to the truth. But the call is come to Christ. He is at the right hand of the Father. You just state it as fact, um, and you rely on the Spirit to do the work. So. Right. Sure. So, so you find yeah. out that the Holy Spirit is able to move them right. to, to start a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ashley? Yeah. 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 So it's not wrong to like talk at that level of 
here's how we can see that God has preserved his scripture, how he, we can see that this is the word of God, right? It's not wrong, but here's, you don't want to like base, um, you, we, you don't want to ever um, kind of surrender the foundation of the word of God, right? You don't ever want to say, well, let's assume for a second that um, there's, uh, the Bible isn't the word of God, and how could I prove it to you that it is, Right? You're always assuming the truth that God's word is God's word because it is. <laughs> we believe that. Um, so we're not, that's true to reality. So we're not going to uh, not speak that, that way. But we can, um, we can speak and give evidences insofar as they're aligned with how Scripture itself speaks. So there's a lot of good books and things out there that can help you with some of those things. But you don't want to rely on persuasion in the sense that, well, I can argue based on these facts that logically it must be true that this is happening, right? Now, it is logical. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that, remember, it's a miracle, and it's only through the Spirit, ultimately, that's going to enliven people's minds to see the glory of His words through the pages of Scripture. There's a book by John Piper called um, a, Peculiar, a Peculiar Glory, and it talks about... Um, it talks about the scriptures and how the scriptures are self-authenticating, ultimately, where you see, um, as you read it, right, you, you, the Holy Spirit works and you see the, the glory of Christ in a self-authenticating way um, through the pages of scripture. Um, and it's, it's helpful. Um, it would be a fun book for you to read. So, yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, well, it's, it, I mean, you're still presenting all the different components of the gospel we've talked about, right? So here's who God is, right? We start with God and who he is. And here's what sin is, and this is why sin is bad. It's, it's not just doing naughty things. It's not just mistakes. It is uh, an offense, a slap in the face to the honor of the God of the universe, right? And you're in trouble because we, we're all in trouble because we've done that, right? And it deserves judgment by Christ. Um, and here's who Christ is. Here he's, he is in the incarnation. Here's what he did on the cross. So you do present those things, right? But when, we, when you get to the call, right, you present the facts, right? Christ has died. He died for, for those who would entrust themselves to him. He died for his people. He, um, he rose from the dead. He's ascended on high, right? Here's the, this is the truth, right? And then you, you, you give a call, right? Um, the call is come to Christ. Um, and why are you coming to Christ, right? Because, yes, um, to escape God's wrath, um, but don't just leave the negative part, also the positive part, because the the, the where we have we were built to be satisfied in enjoying and worshiping and delighting our souls in God and God alone, right? And we can't do that. Our sin has separated us. Here's what Christ has done, so that we can enjoy Him for all eternity, right? And so come to Christ. Have a transaction with the living, resurrected Christ at the right hand of the Father, who has died. He has a sufficient sacrifice to cover your sins. He has a sufficient righteousness so that you. Um, can draw near to God in confidence, right? Um, so you see, you see how that's a little bit, it's different, 
than if I just said, um, Jesus has died for you, right? Um, believe that. Well, now I'm telling you to believe a fact that may or may not be true, actually, right? Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you to believe a fact apart from having a transaction with the person. Um, and that's the emphasis, right? When we, and Jesus says it again and again. Let's just let's look at one more passage. Well, really, I guess we just looked at come to me in verse 28 of Matthew 11. Um, but listen to what he says just one more time. Matthew 28, uh, 11, 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? That's, that, even if we, that's a theme that we see through Scripture, the call to Edenic rest, which will ultimately come through, through Christ and enjoying him. Take my yoke upon you. Right? Uh, there's a mastery here. There's, a, there's an allegiance that's happening. Learn from me. Right? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then, let's just see one more, Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 24, just to see it again. It's the same call. Um, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, so that's the language of discipleship, that's the language of Jesus' call, let him deny himself. It's a one-time act, that's that initial act of repentance, um, although it has ongoing ramifications, um, and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Again, the call of allegiance, follow me. Right? That's, that's why we can't separate salvation from discipleship. Right? Salvation comes through union with Christ, and you can't have union with Christ without following Christ, without being a disciple of Christ. Uh, but you see here that language of uh, you're no longer living for yourself, you're living for Christ, and you're following Christ. How are we following Christ? Through his word, through his commandments, uh, learning from him in that, through that venue. Um, you could see it again, even in uh, the rich young ruler, Matthew 19, 16 through 22. We won't go there. But what does he call the rich young ruler to do? You remember the rich young ruler? What did? Uh, yeah, give, give up your riches and follow me. Right? It's the same call. Allegiance. Follow me. Um, have union with me. Have, um, because that's, that's only, the only way people are saved. And this is why I like using the language of entrust yourself to Christ, you can believe facts, and that's how people think when we use the word believe, right? Uh, when I say believe um, believe this, right, they're thinking, oh, well, do I assent to these facts as true? But you, when you talk about belief in a person, you're talking about entrusting yourself to a person. And I like that language a little bit better, uh, just because it, it gets around the idea of uh, just believing facts, which is necessary. We don't want to say that that's not necessary, but you're entrusting yourself to a living person, right? You're, entrust, you're, putting, you're, you're putting all of your money on Christ. You're venturing on Christ is sometimes what you hear older writers uh, to say about it. You're entrusting yourself to him because of what he's done. 
Um, yeah, any questions or comments um, on this idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember that uh, our church was up north was going through Luke and the same, you know, the parallel passage, and it was like, um, you know, someone walks up to you and says, "What must I do to um, obtain eternal life?" And it's like, "Oh, this is easy. This is like softball over the plate, home run." And Jesus says, "Why do you call me good? Right? Uh, no one's good except God alone, right?" And it's like. That doesn't seem like what you would automatically say, but what's he doing? He's uncovering his heart idolatry, and he's saying, here's where your allegiance is. Change allegiance from that to me, because that's the only way for you to have eternal life. Yeah. Okay. Other comments, questions on this idea of the gospel call? So when we're calling, to summarize, when we're calling people, yes, we are calling them to repent. We're calling them to faith. We're calling them to entrust themselves to Christ, to have allegiance to Christ, to come to Christ, to follow Christ, um, because only through Him um, are we able to um, to come to God. Right? It's that John fourteen idea, Julie. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and not, not even, like, what he's, like, who he is, right? Who he is in having sacrificed himself for his people. His sacrifice is totally sufficient. And who he is in his righteousness, his lived-in-flesh righteousness is totally sufficient to count you righteous before the Father. And, you know, just like Matthew 16 talks about, so, but it's going to cost you everything, right? It's going to cost you denying yourself, uh, and surrendering our society, the the I said it a minute ago, we're it's it's about self autonomy. That's where we're going, right? There is no external authority to who I am. So what we are calling people to is extremely countercultural, especially in our culture. You know, even pre enlightenment, right? There's some sort of agreed foundation of biblical truth, and God has an authority over me. But now everyone is a self authority. 
right? So we're calling give up, step off your throne. You have no throne. It's an illegitimate throne. Um, you, you, have to, uh, you have to give up any thought of self-autonomy and come under Christ's rule, right? Which is incredibly countercultural, right? And is totally, again, it highlights who's going to do that? How can, how can that be possible only through God's spirit um, irresistibly calling those who are, who are elect? So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like where we're at right now. It's like, well, you can make the choice to have Jesus or not, or you can make the choice to be a Christian or not. But the way we're framing it, it's like, this is totally, you don't, (laughs) right? Like, uh, this is what Jesus, uh, that's why I like Acts 17, uh, 30 through 31, uh, because Paul says in the middle of the intellectual elite of his day, he commands all people everywhere to repent, right? So that's, that's how we can approach everyone, whether, uh, we, whether we know they're, <laughs> and we don't know, ultimately, whether we know they're elect or not, it doesn't matter. Like, that's not what we're called to know, right? We are called, the, Christ still commands that person to repent and, and to entrust themselves to Christ, to submit to Christ, to have allegiance to Christ. Um, and so that's, that's our warrant for presenting and calling. But it's, it's the, the language of command. It's not the language of barter. Um, which we, we need to remember when we're having the gospel call. So, All right, uh, we should probably break for now. If you have questions um, or follow-ups or anything, um, of course, come and ask me. So we didn't get to near uh, the number of verses I thought, but that's good. We had a really good discussion. I appreciate your guys' questions and comments. Um, it's, uh, it's interactive time, so let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for Christ. Um, and Lord, I just pray for my own heart, for the hearts of the folks here, that we would, you would allow us to see Christ more clearly and to love Christ more dearly and to keep entrusting ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, who is the per- one who is a, the perfect atonement, the perfect spotless lamb, the one who has perfect righteousness, and the one through whom alone that we are counted righteous. We thank you for that reality. Help us to remember that. Help us to see your love in that. And Lord, may that control our entire lives. Lord Jesus, help us. Uh, There are still pockets of rebellion in our hearts. Please conquer those and help us to be solely yours and help us uh, in our joy um, um, in, in serving you and knowing you and coming to you and following you to call not only our own hearts again and again as we seek as we as we drift um, to keep coming back to you but but also as we call others um, those whom are around to know you and we pray that we would see uh, salvation Lord that you would glorify yourself through rescuing um, sinners like us um, we ask for your mercy in that we ask that you would do that in our our community, in this city, in, in this, um, this area, Lord. Uh, we thank you that you are king. We thank you that you build your church through your word by your spirit. Um, we pray even as we gather this morning that you would be honored in the gathering of your temple, um, in the gathering of your people as an embassy of your rule. And we pray these things and ask them in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.